Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And an incredibly suspicious Marcus D. Oh, I'm come on, looking chill at, out. Looking at this seltzer-looking thing that Vic's handed me today. You're so heavy on your S's today. Your old you man. You sound like a secret serpent. Well, I, I'm just looking at this seltzer old man seltzer that you just handed me okay no these things are awesome jameson ginger and lime seltzer oh yeah i had it a few months back at like a, a festival thing and it was really flipping good and i really wanted to share it with you and see what you thought it's really flipping good nice is, wait is jameson irish whiskey i don't know i, I had them it's delicious just open it up and put Look, it in i thought mouth. this was a seltzer Put it in your mouth. Drink it. Tell me what you think. It's like, oh god, I love that stuff. That's like a whiskey seltzer that's it, it not kinda, carbonated. It's kind of like a it's, whiskey seltzer. It's carbonated. It is. Well, okay. Well, it's not that. It doesn't. T- it doesn't taste that carbonated. Okay. For any of you out there who want to try Jameson ginger and lime, this is no. You're not being paid to say this. Yeah, I just really good. like this stuff. It's good. It tastes like if you mixed whiskey and ginger ale. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, like just together. Like it just it just tastes like a mixed drink. Like uh, like already. So it's and actually like it's pretty good. A lime in it yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And it doesn't have the really harsh bite of a whiskey. Like it doesn't have that like that that uh, that kick that a, that a whiskey has. So it's it's a lot smoother. Um, and I I like that I like that a lot for it. So it's it's good. It's not exactly what I thought it was gonna be, but it's good. I like it a lot. We jumped into the alcohol sooner today. Than well, I was to. well to be. I needed a drink. It's just been a long. It's been a very, very, very long week. So, work's been kicking my butt. So, very happy to be in the studio today talking with Vic, uh, and I'm very, very excited because I found a really interesting uh, case that I wanted to talk about because I literally was 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 going to talk about something else, and then it was Wednesday night. I just I stumbled upon some. No, it was Thursday night. I stumbled upon this other case, and I'm like. This is what I want to talk about. This is going to be so much cooler as I was going through that. But um, if you didn't check out our last episode, in our last episode, we talked about tentacle cryptids and cephalopods and those do, 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 do. monsters of the deep. You did, did you just do the sound effect when we have that sound effect? Yep. It's better like, when I do it. Did you just miss <laughs> an opportunity to do that? Like, love that sound effect. But it's a really cool episode. We talked about all sorts of weird tentacly monsters like under the ocean absolute great time uh uh avis rex the dark phoenix super fan said uh just looked up the georgia guidestones that you guys mentioned them and now i quote an unknown man saying this is why we can't have nice things (laughs) (laughs) since history aside vandalism is it okay imagine if the mothman statue was trashed oddly enough i may be in two weeks going to see that statue and maybe Marcus will join us. Well, I'm going to try to get the days off so I can go. Well, it was like Ricky Brockman. He's like, what are you guys doing next, like, in two weeks on Wednesday? Like a random day. And I'm like, what do you what do you want to do? And he's like, I thought we'd go to Point Pleasant. I'm like, on a Tuesday? <laughs> like, yeah. Wednesday? He did the same thing where he, like, 
danced around what he wanted us to do. So I'm like, I like don't we were, know. Maybe. Like we were going to say no. <laughs> and, and, like, and then the moment he tells me, I want to go to uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And I'm like, do you, you buried the lead. Of course exactly. I want to go. Open with that. <laughs> like, he made us sound like he was about to ask us something that we weren't going to want to do. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Gosh, Ricky! No, so no, we really. Uh, so I really hope that I get to go. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll definitely tell you guys uh, about our trip whenever we go out there. Uh, Angela Stat says, "Why is no one talking about the massive thunder explosion Wednesday evening?" I'm in McCutcheonville, and it shook the and it shook the windows. Uh, for those of you that don't know, McCutcheonville is like saying northern, northern, northern Evansville. It's like far, far north up here. To tell you the truth, this is my first time hearing about it. Yeah, there was a storm that came through here that day. Like, I was driving driving back from Dayton, Ohio, at a comedy gig that night, and so that's why I I didn't get back to, like, 2.30 in the morning. And so, like, I saw the flashes of lightning and the storms that were rolling through here. I saw that. Uh, But I, I... I, I'm not 100% sure what she was talking about in that. Also, the other reason about why no one's talking about it is because something probably happened. <laughs> That's usually hey, the explanation. You know what? S- send us all your information on We'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, like, you know, we've, do- we've done stuff like that before, like strange sky booms or strange noises that yeah. happen. And also our episode Thunderstruck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've talked about stuff like that. Where that's a weird phenomenon where you'll have stuff like that. Then nobody talks about something. So please tell us more. You need to find out more about that. And uh, Dan Ward says, glad I got to hear one more podcast before leaving for basic training on the 25th. Oh, hey, congratulations. Yeah. congratulations good luck. Dan. Thank yeah, you for good your luck. service. And we, we'll hope to have plenty of episodes here for you for whenever you get back. So shout out to you, Dan Ward, super duper fan. <laughs> good shout out to you, man. So, all right. So let's uh, let's get into today's episode. Where I want to go first. Yeah, yeah I, well, I know you're going first. Mine's cool. <laughs> Mine, I, you go first because mine's cooler. But I'm, just, oh, no, I, I'm just kidding. We don't really know, 100% know what, what we're bringing to the table today <laughs> for each other. So. Um, go ahead, good sir. Okay. For mine today, I want to talk about what I think is one of the most criminally underestimated cases of a cryptid creature in the ocean. Possibly one of the most criminally underestimated cases of crypt, uh, cryptid ever. Um, and I'm in uh, some of you guys who are more familiar it might cringe, but you gotta give me time to build my case here. The Corfu Island Creature. At some point in the, um, around uh, 2014, 2015 in that area, a man was going through around the Corfu Islands on a tour of these these large, like, cave-like systems off the island. He's taking pictures of the water, checking out the amazing color coming off, and he's just taking these on his iPhone, he takes a bunch of them. He doesn't realize till later that he got a picture of something very strange. Something very much looking like an animal, but not like any animal he could recognize. And thus, the legend of the Corfu Island creature started to gather around the internet. It, the pictures actually went viral, and um, Marcy, if you want to see the picture, I actually sent it to you earlier. It's one of the most amazing cryptid pictures I've ever seen. It's now, clear. It's in focus. Now, I want to preface this by saying that he did send me some photos, uh, like that he was going to be referencing, that you were going to be referencing during this. Yeah. And I'm like, but not giving me any context of going on. It's like trying to put together a puzzle. You, you don't even need to look at them till it gets to the important part. I know. Uh, and it does. This monster looks. This creature looks all sorts. Like the best. We'll put up a photo for you guys to see. Look it up. Like the best way that I can describe what this thing looks like is a gray, emaciated hippo. 
Kinda, kinda, yeah. I, it has a very unique sort of look. It has a shovel-like nose, a long maul, um, a somewhat billowy head in the sense like, uh, as hippos will sometimes have where the fat will kind of roll near the head. It seems to have forward-facing dark eyes, ears, and you just down through the water make out a somewhat slender body, especially in comparison to something like a hippo, and what may be either a front limb or a large fin. And it is really, I, I believe, one of the best scripted pictures ever out there. He it's discovers weird. it, he goes viral, and then people start to jump in on what they thought it was. When, when did this happen? Oh, I, so, from um, what I can tell, it had to have happened before uh, 2014, somewhere before within that area. Yeah, like, I'm thinking this is 2013, because, like, I just, I do a quick search on it, and one of the weird things that I don't notice about it is it doesn't give, like, a... It doesn't give a day. Like, it yeah. just, it doesn't. I, I was having a hard time getting the exact date on this. Basically, right. the guy took the picture on vacation, posted it, and then the internet went wild with the picture. Mm. But tracking down a specific date, um, truthfully, I was having a hard time getting it. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people jumped on this, and there's a lot of theories. But the first thing I want to tackle is... Um, Supposedly, this is debunked, and I think it's one of the worst jobs of debunking any cryptid out there. This is worse than Al's, guys. This is just bad debunking. (laughs) And I want to tackle that first because everyone accepts this answer, but the answer's terrible. A cursory overlook of what's on the picture can debunk this. A lot of people say it's a freeboard Fender just floating in the water, barely poking up. And I sent you a picture of one of those two. It's the second picture I sent you. It looks like some sort of bizarre body orifice cleaning device. Now, a lot of people um, say that it's a freeboard f- uh, fender because uh, in the in the shovel nose snout, it does seem to have a divot or a nostril, which a freeboard uh, fender would have a hole there for one, running rope through. Also, it has small side holes about the about the area where the eyes would be, although the eyes are too forward-facing for it to even make sense for a freeboard fender. But the thing is this, freeboard fenders have this curve part of the way up, and I've looked at a lot of different freeboard fenders, and they, easily, they either have this large curve or no curve at all. And it's absolutely not at this angle. And if you want to make the statement that it's just warped over time, well, you know what? Sunlight and seawater causes plastic in rubber to crack. I think it's unlikely it would deform into this exact shape. Also, this thing has freaking ears. There's nothing like that on a freeboard it, fender. I mean, it it has a visible mouth to it. Like it it's an animal. Like you can tell from the photo. Yeah, personally, I I kind of find this to be a embarrassingly bad snow job, and the fact that everyone buys it just infuriates me. It, it's People are taking one of the best examples of a cryptid caught on camera, throwing the most basic response out, and people are eating it up. Like, when I was looking into this, what other people have said on this, everything I found was people going, oh, it's just a freeboard fender. But if you look at the picture and you look at a freeboard fender, in a very short period of time, you can easily deduce that these are not the same thing. I would also like to point out, too, that I don't think as many people know what a freeboard fender is if you just throw that phrase out of what okay. they're talking about looking It's a at fender it. that goes on the side of the boat, so when you bring it into dock, you don't, like, bang the side of your boat against the dock. Right, but I think that people that I think that people living in the area can recognize the difference between a boat piece 
and an animal. Like, I don't, like, it's just, it's always so aggravating to me and just how dumb that skeptics try to think that people are. Like, it just pisses me off so much. And I'm all about being skeptical about something. But, like, you should also be somewhat skeptical of the skeptic's response. And this is a clearly not a good answer. Like, it clearly does not look like that, just examining it. And it has so many fu- or so many parts that look like a biological creature that I think is far too much to ignore. Like you pointed out the presence of the mouth. Like I pointed out the presence of the ear. That the eyes are focused in a different direction than it would be if it was the holes on the side of the freeboard fender. But I wanted to address this because this is just the bog stock answer everyone gives. And I think it's a terrible answer. But... Do you think there's anything that it could be that could be alive? Since we both concluded I, that it looks like a living thing. I'm trying to think of what I think that it is. I think that it's a hippo. I think that it is some sort of hippopotamus. Like, I really do. It. It's just, It's when you look at the head shape for it and the size of the mouth, I think that it's, it's, it's going to be something akin to that or some sort of dolphin. One of the two. One of the two. I can't see the lower part of the body. Like, I can't see it. You can only see the top part of it. But it to me, it has to be somewhere of one of those two types of creatures. And also, also I want to say for the record that I think trying to narrow down specifically when I think this happened, because I had a very hard time trying to do this while Vic was talking. I think that it is sometime around 2015, like around, like, the November, like, the fall of 2015. That is my best guess. It is suspiciously hard to, find, to narrow down the date for this. Getting into some things it could be, and we're going to get to hippo because right. that is one of the directions I went. Right. Um, the first one I want to talk about is ambulocetus. It, I mainly want to talk about this one because a lot of people have brought up that it looks like that. It's a ancient mammal. It's something that eventually, that it, it's an ancestor of whales. But whales took a crazy evolutionary route. When marine mammals started to develop in the shallow sea that is now, like, say, Greece, North Africa, the Middle East, and India, um, they took on a lot of wild forms. And Ambulocetus is one of them. It's actually one of the first ones to begin doing the uh, whale undulation that became how they swim. Um, Ambulocetus, imagine if a otter found a witch and went to the <laughs> witch and said... I, I really, really wish I was an alligator. And the witch kind of half-assed the witch, or the wish, so it ended up between a otter and an alligator. That's how most uh, like scientific depictions of it is. But the thing is, we're kind of speculating on how it actually looked. We don't know it. We only have fossils of it. We don't know if it had fur or anything like that. But it did have this long tooth snout and was very, very big, could get up to easily 12 feet, and truthfully, if it was an ambulocetus, this guy's life might have been in danger in that moment. Because uh, this has the same hunting strategy as a alligator, <laughs> where it's an <laughs> ambush predator. Um, now, do I think it's an ambulocetus? I actually really don't. Kind of going back to the picture, and although a lot of people say it looks like that, there's markers that make me think it's not. Um, sure, ambulocetus very likely could have had exposed ears and no fur. It would have had forward-facing eyes like this does. But when you examine the nose, it looks like it's too wide, and it's very shovely. This looks like something that's not a 
so much a ambush predator in the sense that it's going to be um, jumping things and grabbing them like an alligator does. I think that this is something that's evolved for rooting through the sands in the Mediterranean. It has kind of a really good nose shape for shoveling up things and then grabbing them. Possibly uh, could be plants. It does have that wide mouth that would be good for uh, gathering up plants. Or it could be a wide mouth like an alligator has for catching like fish and things like that. I think that if it's an ambush, see if it's like, I think from the photo that was circulating, like that photo does not scream ambush predator. Like, yeah, no, like I, it's great. It, like it looks so much more cuddly, which might actually be my play into an ambush predator's like uh, <laughs> favor here. Cause it looks like it's coming up to be like, hi guys, how are y'all doing? Like, like it looks like it's coming up for nose boops, um, which may be bad if it's an ambush predator and it bites off somebody's head. <laughs> I would not want to see that that messed up TikTok reel from someone trying to do that. Uh, it, but I think it could be, and then I'm probably pronouncing this uh, wrong, the Cetus Sicilian family. It's the family that um, kind of evolved into whales and other such things, and mm-hmm. Anthropocetus would be part of that. But, like, this, fa- or this animal uh, group spread out in lots of strange ways. There are a lot of strange things that work evolved in the path of creating whales. There were whales that looked like sea serpents, like very thin, lithe, snake-like creatures. There's other ones that look like underwater wolves is the best way I can describe them. It took a lot of different experimental routes and became a lot of different things. It's just during this transitional stage of evolution, it kind of went, I'm going to try everything and see what works. And interestingly enough, these animals did evolve in the area that we're talking about, this area around Greece, which at the mm-hmm. time was a low-lying sea. But there are other things I do want to talk about, and one of them is going to be a hippo. I'm actually going to put that one a little forward in the uh, discussion. Um, Anthrocotherum. Anthrocotherum sometimes also, it actually translates into like coal beast. <laughs> is a large hippo-like creature that lived during a prehistoric time. It could fit this er, this area. Likely was a marine animal and generally took on a more slender look. Um, it's still pretty broad, which this creature that we're looking at in this picture, it's not real thin either. But it's also not real broad. It's kind of in between. It looks like too thin for a hippo, but these things seem to have been a bit more slender. And I kind of feel like this is another possibility. A marine hippo is a little harder to believe. But the thing is, hippos are in that same part of the family that ended up going into the water. They just didn't go as far as, like, say, whales. They're in that same family. But that doesn't mean that an offshoot could not have followed on the same path. I mean, I think it would have to have been some kind of offshoot of that. Because if you look at the Anthrocotherium, like, photos, like, the mouth looks too small based on what you're seeing in the photo, like... And the photo that, that, that was circulating around Twitter, the mouth is like like a hippo, like something that looks like it can like open almost over 180 degrees. If you anthrocotherium photos look a lot smaller, it it kind of looks more like a small pig. I don't know. The mouth the mouth just seems um, really small. Well, there's the a photos, lot of different types of anthrocotherium. Oh. So they probably developed a lot of different mouths. Um like it, it's it's a grouping. Um, and some of them did look like pigs. Actually, uh, it used to believe, be believed that they evolved from pigs, but then later we figured out, no, that wasn't that wasn't quite correct. Um, but I, I actually also don't think Anthrocotherum is the best choice either. 
what I want to talk about is Desmos. Oh God, I, I have so much trouble with these words. I like Desmostelia. I like how Stile. Before the episode, Vic's like, why are these names so hard? I'm like, it's so they can charge more for their services. Desmostyla. Uh, yeah, like I was actually just sitting over here before this practicing saying all these weird Latin words. Desmostyla. Uh, Desmostyla, we don't have a modern, anything modernly analogous to them. This is a line that went extinct, or at least supposedly. They had a build somewhat similar to um, to what you would expect from a hippo. But they were definitely straight up marine animals. They were they were out there in the ocean, hunting in shallow areas, doing their thing, and they were extremely pervasive for a long period of time. They actually spread from this shallow sea area, evolving as they went, and they end up like mainly uh, many of their fossils were found around like Russia in that sort of area, a lot of areas in the Pacific. But likely they did come from the Mediterranean area. Um, they had like a more slender head in general. They had very unique teeth. And uh, I personally think might be one of the best candidates. If you notice like that shovel nose in the picture, you can't tell if that's a scoop or a nostril. But if let's assume it's a nostril for a moment. If it is a nostril, they had a big singular um, cavity in that exact area that would be used for breathing. And just in case you're wondering... Um, why it would have one nostril instead of two. As mammals go more marine, their uh, nostrils begin to drift together. That way you have to expose less of your head when getting air. And usually they eventually drift so close it becomes one hole because you don't really need two separate nostril holes at that point. You can do just as well as one. For example, blowholes are an example of this fused nostril. Um, and they really have a build where about where you would expect that to be would be where that would be as well. Now, um, there is a bit of an issue where they do generally have these more pronounced tusks, at least in the fossil record. Um, that could have been something that they stopped evolving over the years as tusk development um, is generally more for uh, attracting mates and uh, fighting off rivals and things like that. So it could have been something where as their population dwindled, it could have been a trait that was lost. Um, these animals are extremely pervasive in the ancient world until the uh, rise of the coelacins or the whales, prehistoric whales. <laughs> when they started to evolve, you see a explosion of different types of whales as you see a shrinking um, amount of these guys. And it's believed that they just got outcompeted for food. But they were also very niche creatures that could perform better in shallow waters. That's why I think that this is one of the most likely things. And I really feel feel like the image fits them pretty close. I have a harder time believing, though, that based on some of the animals that you're describing, though, that that might be what some of these are. Because you're talking about ancient animals. And any time that we've ever really talked about the possibility of some of these ancient animals existing, it's usually for how, how have they gone this long without being spotted? And usually one of our two examples is either A, there's some sort of body of water that it you know was recently exposed, or B that they're just so deep down under water in some sort of underground cavern in some sort of underground biome um, that they can hide down there. And I don't think any of the animals that you that 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 have been talked about so far are those kind of animals that could live like deep 
down. Like when we were talking about the cephalopods the other day, like like those are those are creatures that live like just so far down, like you can't even see light anymore. Everything else has been something that li- has lived in shallow sea requires air, so it has to come up for air, which I think makes it a little bit harder for me to think that you could have some of these things even in something the size of say like you know the the the, the Mediterranean Sea. Because I, I think they'd have a hard time hiding an entire population of those kinds of creatures. Well, let me give you a counterpoint to that. Sure. Um, first, these things have not been extinct for that long by comparison. Uh, many of the things that we talk about disappeared from the fossil record a long, long, long time ago. Like, it would be much easier to justify something like this surviving in a small pocket than, say, a plesiosaur. Although... That's not even always the best argument because you can always for to like say the coelacanth, which predates a lot of other animals that we found surviving in niche environments. Remember the area that we're talking about is in a cave area. Um, these things could likely be surviving in these large oceanic caves, probably hunting and possibly even ambushing uh, fish that swim into the caves at various times. So they have a niche environment, and they have a niche build that could flourish within that environment. Uh, and also, they, they, as far as the fossil record go, 30 million years is not that long for a creature to reemerge, especially if it's been living in very small groups. Yeah, but you're also talking about one of the largest tourist destinations in the entire world. Like, you're not talking about a particular type of, you know, of water that's not heavily traversed. You're talking about something around, like, the Greek Isles. Which is like a destination spot for like I mean I, the, literally the guy like Harvey Robinson was on a boat as a tour mm-hmm. like as as a tourist like that's what he that's what he was doing so I think if you have an area like that it makes it harder for me to think that like there was just something there that people just hadn't seen you know because we've had f- phones and stuff literally like for like camera phones for the last twenty something years well there is the possibility that it is mainly surviving in very deep areas. Um, the sperm whale can, is a mammal and can dive to insanely deep areas where it's hunting the sort of animals that we're talking about, like giant squid, extremely elusive creatures. Also, it could be a straight, normally nocturnal creature that's coming up for unknown reasons. It is a paler creature than what one would expect to be surviving in this area. And also look at the eyes. They're very, very, very dark. That would make me think that this is a creature that's trying to draw in as much light into the eye as possible, which could also imply a nocturnal creature. So, like, say, if these things are living around caves, mainly ambush predators, possibly staying to deeper areas, and staying mainly tonight, I really think that these guys could remain elusive, even though they're large. Yeah, but I think, but but also too, like you're talking about the type of area. I, I think that there are caves in, in cave systems like around that area, but I don't think it gets as deep for the kind of like ancient creature that would be required to do that. Like I have, I just I have a harder time. Like if it needs air, like I like uh, something like except. Nah, I really can't make a case for it. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying my best here on that one. I mean, I think you're making a good case well, that they that they could, but a small population in the water, mainly nocturnal. They may be dwelling a fair amount in the caves. They could be dwelling in deeper areas. Either way, probably what they caught here was something it behaving outside of its norm. norm. But if you don't have a good argument, I have another point. Mm. Historically, there are, there are things that look like this in human recorded record within this area. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of a hippocampus? Mm-hmm. 
this thing, I would say, if described by ancient mariners, and they're trying to relate to this as something they've seen, a horse-headed sea creature that's part fish, part horse, I could see ancient man coming to this conclusion. Also, many of the myths about hippocampuses speak to them not as if there's some sort of mythic thing people don't see. They spoke of hippocampuses as if this is something that was seen by mariners fairly regularly. Like it was considered at the time, if you spotted a hippocampus, that you're very lucky. That that means it's going to be a good day. It's a it's a sign of good fortune. Like um, as some cultures have like seagulls flying in front of the ship or different colors of the sky predicting omens. This was considered to be a positive omen. You also have um, people who were the equivalency of biologists. They were more like taxonomists at the time describing these sort of things within a certain degree of detail, at least implying that they have observed these creatures. I mean, I think, too, I mean, but a lot of the plesiosaurus-type creatures also kind of describe the hippocampus as well, too, because they have kind of like that elongated head as well with that sort of like like large body as, look at as the, well. Look at the last image I sent you. It's a very specific uh, depiction of a hippocampus on a vase. And I feel like, th- and this is from the er, from that area as well, and I feel like this describes something fairly similar to it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that this depiction here is a lot like mm-hmm. um, the picture of what we're talking about. And interestingly enough, it's not limited to the Grecian cultures. There are other cultures that were not in communication with each other um, going up from the Mediterranean and around Europe that had these water horses just existing by different names. And that implies to me two different cultures experiencing the same thing and trying to describe them each independently of each other. Well, I think we've talked a lot about times too. One of the things that makes it more likely to believe like that a supernatural creature, something like, say, because you made the same case for like Bigfoot. Yeah. Like one of the reasons why we think Bigfoot could exist is because multiple cultures around, like every major culture around the world has some sort of comparative story involving something kind of looking like a Bigfoot. You know, so if you're seeing something like the hippocampus and other types of cultures, it makes it more likely like they're describing some sort of a real creature that they're seeing. And I think this meets the bill. Like, I personally think that this is legitimately the most underestimated cryptid case, like criminally underestimated cryptid case out there. I really hope all of you guys look at the image and really look at the comparison between what you see in the picture and the freeboard fender because everyone seems to buy this, but they don't look anything alike. But Something that I want to ask you, and this is just something that I've just, I've noticed when we've been describing some of these, some of these types of cryptids that we've seen is we bring up these ideas of possibly them being in, in, in a more ancient species. And then what it seems to happen after these images or stories of these come out, it's almost like the scientific community immediately starts to dispel this belief. Like, it immediately they start to critique it. Like, even if you, like, look at the story of the Corfu Island creature, like, you have tons and tons mm-hmm. of biologists and people from the academic world that just immediately chime in and go, oh, no, it's not. It's probably something else. A bunch of people don't know what, you know, what the hell they're seeing. They're describing something else. Which is weird because there's numerous times in which we've seen an animal get discovered. Um, oh God, what was that? What was the name of that? Like weird, like dog creature in Australia is like, there maybe oh, it was Tasmanian. Uh, the thylacine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the thylacine, like we thought it was extinct. They photographed one and the entire, entire academic community was just excited. They were so happy to see something like this. You see something like the Corfu Island creature come out where you're, you're photographing something, which may be a creature, which may be extinct. And then it's been with just such disdain, from the academic community, and I ask why. 
Like, like seriously, I don't like understand it. Like it's it's so night and day when I've when it's so night and day when I've seen like just the response that some people have whenever some sort of animal is just not seen. Like I would think that if some sort of ancient creature would would pop, like like that we thought that was extinct was seen in the Mediterranean Sea that immediately everybody would be super excited there'd be research boats that would be out there you'd be trying to tag animals trying to trying trying to do that you'd be you'd be trying to do some sort of study to see if you can find these creatures like some sort of like discover world documentary like this sounds like something that would be super cool to do and yet they're just and yet they're just crapped on it just constantly well, for this even the discovery of the coelacanth was crapped on for a while like when when the are you familiar with how it was discovered uh, I was was that the lady that she was saying that they, she she was seeing him in her backyard or something? Was that was that what no, she was no, saying? No, no, no. You're you're thinking of the thylacine. Oh, okay. Uh, the coelacanth. Uh, oh, the bio- fish. Oh, the yeah. fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the divers that reported that they were seeing him. Yeah. No, no, no. It was a uh, biologist walking through a fish market in Madagascar. I would just <laughs> and then like there's this there's a coelacanth in the fish market and they're like. Whoa. How? Where? And they wrote back and they're like, no, no, it can't be a coelacanth. And sure enough, it ended up being a coelacanth. And they were able to track by talking to the fisherman back to where it was. But even she was met with resistance at first. Many amazing scientific discoveries are initially met with resistance. But I don't know why like, they should have this spirit for discovery. Yeah, I don't like know you would, you would think that would be like, oh, that like you don't like even you could be like, oh, that would be really cool, like. They just have to be like this, this huge, like skeptic blinders that they just put on their face and they're just like, no, we're not going to like, there's no way. Like we, we believe that these things are dead. They're extinct. They're not coming back. There's absolutely no way to believe that. Cause I don't like, like if you really, like if it was one of those, uh, what was the Ambula, what'd you call it again? Uh, I mentioned a few. You're probably thinking of the Ambulucetus. Yeah, like if it was an Ambulucetus or something like that. Um, like that, how they would be like, "Oh, this is so cool that it's still alive." We thought they like we thought they were extinct. Like even if it was alive, like what hole does that massively poke in like our understanding of the natural world? Like, I, like I, say, I like don't who? No, like it like, would be amazing if they found living Ambulucetus. Like I, I. I you know, this isn't like this isn't this this isn't like the equivalent of like when we did our uh, episodes on the giants and like you know like if giants were discovered, oh maybe that makes the Bible or other religious texts possibly true. Like I don't think that if they discovered some sort of ancient marine life, like somehow this just up mm-hmm. upends science. And, and this doesn't even like cause us to question the nature of humanity, yeah. like a separate human species would. Like I think that like if they discovered that one of these existed, literally, it would just be like a cool trend on Twitter for one day, and then we just moved on with the rest of our lives. Like I don't, like I don't think that it would. But instead, you get like I thought I was reading through the article like like while you were talking about this, and it was the it was the zoologist. Uh, where Although it, I don't think it's an ambulocetus. No, well, uh, I mean, I just something like that. Like as well, just Doctor Darren Natch is a zoologist for the National Oceanography Center at the University of Southampton. He's got like this huge podcast or whatever where he talks about these things, and the guy's like, "Yeah, it's probably just plastic," and he just writes yeah. it off. Like he just writes it off. Like couldn't even say, "Oh, that'd be super cool," or we hope that there's these ancient animals that are that are down there. Yeah, no, like, and everything I've looked into so far just just accepts the Fender theory, and I just do not at all buy it. But that's about all I really had on the Corfu Island creature. I, I hope I made my case well to you. 
Because I really think that this is one of the best cases, and it's constantly overlooked. No, I, I, I think I, I think that it's a really good example of a, of a really cool cryptid story. Like I'll post the, the photo, uh, I'll put, I'll post the photo like in the show notes uh, for people, and definitely on our Patreon, so people can see uh, a little bit about what, what we were talking about. But it's, it's, it's super cool, and I think. And I think our conversation about why do biologists and people in the academic community just so scoff at this? Like, they're just so rigid about, they can't even talk, they, like, it's almost sort of like they've lost the wonder as the reason about why they got excited in the field in the first place. And that's the kind of thing that even pisses me off even more about, because every single person that I've ever known that's gone into science was just so fascinated as a kid in this wonderment. And then they get into the, they get in this field and then they just, immediately just sort of lose that when you're describing when you're when we're talking about cryptids or other possible ex- explanations of, of animals and stuff yeah like you know like it's not even like in this like even other examples of like more believable stuff like something like the plesiosaur when we described how many like Loch Ness type monsters that are around the world like you just see this over and over from them so I know that we've gone a little bit round and round uh, about the Corfu Island, about the Corfu Island creatures. So what are what are some of the final thoughts and takeaways from this particular cryptid? Okay, if I could give you guys a singular message, and I think I've been pretty on point on this, that first, it's not a boardside fender. Just look at the two pictures of them, and you can conclude within five minutes of analysis. These objects do not match. That the Corfu Island creature much more resembles a living thing. Uh, Beyond that, that this is a horrifically underestimated case. I legitimately think that this might be one of the best cases for an ancient animal existing since the discovery of the coelacanth. This is something that needs to be looked into. But we're not doing it. I could not tell you why. My takeaway from the Corfu Island creature is I think that it's, I think it's important to remember that this thing first started circulating on Twitter, and and then it became super popular because it went viral on Twitter. I think nowadays with the with modern media and things like social media, it allows us like just the regular people out there to have a voice in some of the stuff that we want to see, like what, what, what we want science looking into, what we want things to do because it became so popular because of that. Like, you know, me and Vic were complaining about like, you know, it didn't seem like scientists were, they were just scoffing at this, you know? And I think that if there was more of a call on the rest when we see this sort of thing, like being like, Hey, why aren't we looking into this? We sh- this is something that we should be doing. You know, we, uh, we talk all the time on here about how we know more about the ocean, or sorry, more about space than we knew about our own oceans. And I ask why, like, and I know that we, we've danced around in that. And I think that I think that it's important for us to be, you know, advocates of saying like what we would like to see people studying. So we hope that you guys like this episode. We hope that you guys, if you guys liked it, don't forget to leave a like, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell whenever, uh, whenever you can see this stuff, so you can be. Uh, updated whenever we put out new content again we really appreciate you guys listening leave us a review somewhere if you guys are listening to this that's one of the best ways that you can ever support our channel but until next time guys keep believing because we'll keep listening 
All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for our patrons. And if you sign up for $2 more of a month, you get access to our poll to vote on the theme for each month. And currently right now winning in that theme uh, for September, or no, for August, is going to be nuclear paranormal phenomenon. I'm actually really which hoping I'm, on that one. Which I'm really excited about that, too. I have no clue what I'd talk about in oh, it, but okay. it, I'm sure it'd be interesting. Oh, I've got so many. I've talked about so many times about how, like, 1945 is just this massive flip. We talk about UFOs, but nuclear technology impacted it so much, too. Um, so, yeah, so go sign up to our Patreon and let your voices be heard. Now, we're in our Patreon segment, and we realized that we talked about the uh, Corfu Island creature for a little bit. So, my B, guys, my B. No, no, no. It was good. No, it's a cool cryptid. And I think your, I think your description of it of being one of the like the best evidence of like ancient creatures in the modern world is it was an accurate description of this thing. Whenever we we broke it down, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put off. We're going to put off the the what I was going to talk about for today into our next episode. Uh, and for the patron segment, I thought that we would go into another cryptid that Vic had had, had looked at. Um, but we would bring it in because it's a really interesting cryptid, the Hook Island Sea Monster. This is a really interesting case. I am certain you have all seen images of this, but I would rather bet that most of you guys have not really looked into it. Most people don't. Most people just see this image floating around online and go, hey, that's really weird, but it's not something that's talking about. Thank <laughs> you.